Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card. Because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store. What might happen if the Grizzlies ever got completely healthy? How has the team adjusted to new coach David Fisdale? When will Marc Gasol just take over and be the man? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on the show today Chris Vernon, who is the host of the Ringer NBA Show podcast and does the pregame, halftime, and postgame shows for the Memphis Grizzlies on Fox Sports Southeast. So, Chris, I'm glad we can find some time in your busy schedule to sit down and talk about the Memphis Grizzlies ball club. Thanks, Nick. So, let's jump out here because, you know, I'm looking through all this stuff and we all know the usual suspects, but who... Who is James Ennis? Well, James Ennis is the guy that the Grizzlies acquired last year and then uh, ended up, because of, uh, you know, they ended up having to play 28 guys, uh, uh, which is an NBA record because of injury. And through the course of that, a bunch of the big guys got hurt. Marcus Saul went down, Brandon Wright went down, and then there was just every, everybody started getting hurt. So they ended up having to add big guys to the roster, um, and they went back and they so they had acquired James Ennis in uh, in the Chalmers deal, and then when it came to they were so out of anybody with any size that they signed Ryan Holland, ended up having to cut James Ennis. Ennis goes back and finishes out the year with the Pelicans, became a free agent in the offseason. The Grizzlies went back out and got him, but he's a guy that uh, came in as a draft pick with Miami. Uh, not coincidentally, played for Fisdale there. Uh, David Fisdale, now coach of the Grizzlies, and uh, the management team really liked him and 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 coveted him in that deal. And then because of a roster pinch last year, had to get rid of him. And then they re-signed him in the off-season uh, to try to bring him back because uh, I think he's got the opportunity to be a rotation player. I mean, it, it looks that way. I mean, so far he's averaging, you know, 30 minutes a game and is their third leading scorer. And as I was going through this, oh, no, actually, I'm sorry, fourth leading scorer. Uh, and I was like, oh, the name just popped up. And I, you know, I guess I, I might have been a little bit remiss in my watching of the Pelicans and the Grizzlies at the end of last year. It was a little bit uh, busy and those were some tough times, um, especially injury-wise. So that's good to hear. And it seems like he's fitting in uh, quite well. Um, as a starter. I mean, that that's going to be his role, right? Yeah, well, it wouldn't be if Tony Allen was healthy. But Tony Allen's been out. He's only played a couple of games 
this year, uh, and a couple of which was only a starter because he was trying to get back in. And then after about, uh, I think, the fourth game he played, he uh, he had been out at the beginning of the season with a knee injury, and then in the fourth game against Portland, uh, messed up his groin. So he has been out for a couple more games. So the idea would be Ennis would probably be along with, if Zebo's your sixth man, he'd probably be the seventh guy. Um, but he'd certainly be in a eight man, eight ten man rotation for you. And I guess I guess the promising thing was he was a uh, he was a Miami draft pick, and they've done rather well, especially with finding guys later in the draft. Whether it's uh, whether it's Josh Richardson or Tyler Johnson or on and on, um, they have uh, they've earned a lot of respect around the league as being uh, decent talent evaluators. So I certainly I think it helped. That uh, that Ennis was picked by them, and and that they saw promise in him once upon a time. But yeah, he, theoretically, he'll probably. I mean, he'll certainly be in the Grizzlies rotation. Um, but assuming health, your starting wings are are going to be Tony Allen and Chandler Parsons. All right. So what's Tony Allen's prognosis? When's he going to come back and be full strength? Well, it's going to be within the next couple of games, probably. Um, it wasn't any kind of serious injury, but Tony Allen is one of those guys that. He's an elite perimeter defender. He prides himself on being, uh, you know, first team all defense as he chants out after he makes a play. <laughs> but if he's if he's not full strength, he can't do that, right? Like he is one of those guys that, and he knows this, especially later in his career. If seventy five percent Tony Allen is not good enough um, in order to be the guy that's you know shutting people down, uh, jumping through passing lanes. He's got to be right, and so he's usually one of those that waits until he's right in order to, uh, to when he comes back, and that's just a matter of feel. Okay. You know, it's funny because I've, I've kind of done – I think I did a video on him, uh, on Tony Allen's defense, and whether I think it's, it's as elite as the narrative might be. Uh, he, but I love him. I mean, there's no question he, the way he plays and how hard he plays. Every coach would love that kind of, that kind of style. Uh, I do have a question, though, is – are you ever around enough, maybe even in the summers and stuff, to see if Tony Allen is working on his offensive game? Oh, certainly. Like, listen, he has he has made himself uh, a player in this league, priding himself on defense. Um, but that is not that, that, that does not come in the complete absence of attempting to work on his offensive game. I mean, they've got him with the shot doctor, as they call him, and he is he's constantly. Attempting to, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it, his role is always going to be running the baseline, cutting to the basket, and then hopefully knocking down some open shots here and there. I don't think we're going to wake up one day and Tony Allen's Clay Thompson or anything. But on the other hand, uh, it's it's not as if he does not work on it. I mean, good. All right, because like you know, there's, there's ball handling issues, and it drives me a little bit crazy because it seems to me that at least not even the shooting stuff, but the ball handling. Um, you know, and then maybe the finishing at the rim stuff to me just seems like that's great. That those are things you should be able to improve. And, you know, I, I just feel like, uh, there's, there, I'm a little, it just seems like there's a little stagnancy there in the improvement department, uh, over the years. And I just, you know, I'm always, well, curious. he is 34. He is 34 now. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I don't know how many new tricks you're teaching the old dog. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, well, you know, the other interesting thing is is the lineups and how uh, Coach Fisdale has, has put his stamp on there by bringing Zebo off the bench. And I'm wondering uh, how well that's going more from a mental standpoint. Has Zebo embraced this new role? Uh, publicly, yes. Um, 
but are you going to break know, something it, for us? Of, <laughs> are you going to drop a bomb for us here? No, 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 no. I would just tell you. No, I would just tell you that it's it's dependent on wins and losses, right? Sure. I mean, his numbers are good in the in the amount of minutes he plays. Um, I think that he has accepted uh, the role of coming off the bench, but it is more irritating to him when he does not close out games. And so, I do think that there's a balancing act that Fizdale's having to deal with now. Which is when is that? Either way, Zebo is a consummate professional about all of this. But just as a competitor, you can tell his level of irritation is rather high when they lose games. Now, when they don't lose games, um, he's not going to be the one, you know, talking about how he didn't get to play at the end of the game. He's excited that they won the game. Um, all that matters to him is winning. And so, as a competitor, I think he feels like he should be in there closing out games. Um, and so when they don't put Zebo back in and they lose the game, you know, it's going to, it's going to be frustrating. You know, that's, that's part of becoming a guy that's a, the six man. I don't think that Zach Randolph cares, uh, deeply, um, or so, I think he thinks that he should be a starter, but he's okay with the role he's been given. Um, I know he believes he should be a finisher. Sure. Well, that's an interesting question then because, you know, they've been very successful with the roster and what they've been able to do. It's, I, don't, I think we can, we, no one can argue that over the last several years with this roster. So the question is, what made Fisdale come in and say, you know what, we're going to have to put you on the bench? I, I'm kind of curious how that thought process be, became, uh, evolved. Well, I think you're seeing it all around the league, right? Once upon a time, these guys that um, have a little more difficulty guarding the pick and roll, the teams, there's so much pick and roll that's going on in the NBA, and so much motion that they're, they're, they teams, I think more so than in the past, will attempt to expose your weakness. And Zebo's weakness is defensively. And so, but it's always been the good outweighs the bad. If you go in and you can get buckets, at a high rate, then you know you could. You're 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 not going to be a net negative, um, even if they are throwing you in every single pick and roll that they run down the stretch. Um, but I think you're seeing this all around the league with guys that are. I guess uh, there's a real pro- proliferation with Enos Cantor last year. But the guys that are these um, down uh, down low guys or post up guys, um, whether it's Greg Monroe, whether it's Enos Cantor, whether it's Zebo. You've seen Ken the Fairy come off the bench. Um, all, all around the league, you are seeing guys that are, you know, these more post-up guys or back-to-the-basket guys become the, the your old-school consummate big men are becoming bench guys now that you bring off the bench and can get you buckets and can really feast on second units rather than being on the first units where so many teams are playing stretch fours and so many teams are throwing uh, the big guys in pick and rolls every possession. Chris, I'm going to pause for one second because all this Zach Randolph talk has made me hungry. And it reminds me of our friends over at Blue Apron, a really great service that delivers all the ingredients you need to make a delicious gourmet meal. It was really cool to open the box and find all this fresh food clearly marked and really easy to follow directions. My daughter and I had the best time making shrimp and shiitake mushroom dumplings one night and seared chicken with squash and garlic rice the next. It was great that they included the tiny bottle of hoisin sauce with the exact amount you needed. The food itself is fantastic, and I certainly impressed my wife with the seared salmon with glazed carrots and saffron yogurt sauce. 
Nothing takes more than 40 minutes to make, so fire up my podcast while you cook and get ready to impress your girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other, or family members who will be sure to kiss the cook after tasting a Blue Apron meal prepared by you. Get your first three meals completely free by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick to dive into a world of easy, fresh, gourmet meals that come right to your door. I know I'm in. You know what's actually really fascinating is while you were talking, I, I called up the, uh, the in-game splits for Zach Randolph this year. And I believe I'm reading this right when I'm looking at the quarter you know, minutes per game. He actually, according to this, plays 7.6 minutes per game in the fourth quarter, which is the most minutes he plays in any quarter. So I suppose it is what you're seeing, he's playing the first 7.6 minutes of the quarter and then coming out for the last you know, four and a half? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way the rotation works, right? So most of the time, you, you know, you get your starters of what first six minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. You're right, and then they and then they pull them, and so he'll play, you know, first quarter into the second quarter, and then the end of the second quarter have the starters back in, come back into the third quarter starters, then you go to the bench. And then close out the game with starters. Sure. All right. I'm just, I'm just looking because he's playing more minutes in that quarter than any other quarter. So I can see how Fisdale could argue, like, hey, we're giving you, you know, good, solid fourth quarter minutes. But I guess the other question is so who is taking his role? Who's, who's finishing those games at that spot? Jermichael Green, who's in the starting lineup. Right. And so and how do how you feel he's been fitting in on that? Is, is he giving him what they need as opposed to Zebo? Yeah, I think, listen, they're all, it's all just a work in progress. The Grizzlies didn't have a preseason right now, so it's really hard to gauge. And, and, and looking at the numbers is almost impossible because there's nine games into the season, and they punted completely on one of the games. They played Minnesota in what was their home opener, and they sat Mike Conley and they sat Marcus Gasol for rest because it was in the middle of like a four, out of, four games and five nights. And uh, those guys both coming back off injury and had played big minutes the night before. So they sat both those guys, and they took a 36-point loss. So you punted on the game, and it screwed up every stat going. Screwed up the team stats. It screws up the individual stats. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to do some kind of in-depth statistical analysis, but I will tell you just eye test. They're still figuring everything out. They're nine games into the season, and this is – typically stuff that you would kind of get worked out in the preseason, and their style is still not even close. They lost, uh, they lost Brandon Wright at the beginning of the year, and we're expecting to him, him to be in the at least your eight-man rotation. You expect Tony Allen to be a starter. You expect Chandler Parsons to be a starter. Well, Parsons didn't play even until last week, and now is on basically a 20-minute restriction. Tony Allen came back for a short little bit, uh, played low minutes in the first two games and then started the next couple but then got hurt again. And so they don't have any semblance particularly of what their lineup or rotations are going to look like as the year goes on. This is basically like their preseason. So just keeping their head above water I think is the goal until until they get their guys back and everybody can play on a regular basis and play real you know, starter quality minutes, um, I still think they got a lot of figuring out to do. Sure. And you know what's funny is the thing that gri- grips me about the way they play and, and, and the, with their roster is that uh, Marcus All, in my opinion, should be the absolute main focal point of the offense. And I think the problem I've had with his game is that he ends up deferring too much and sort of disappearing. And he's now scoring at a career high 18.1 points a game, which is encouraging to me. 
But I don't know. To me, it feels like he should be 23, 24 points a game. They should be running a lot of their offense down low through him uh, in, in terms of being the best team they can be. Does that feel like that could happen, you know, ever? I don't know if you're ever going to get to that number just because it's 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 rather rare and especially rare for post guys to be averaging that much, especially at his stage in his career. Um, does he defer too much? Certainly at this point now, you know, you are counting. They've got to have Mike Conley and Marcus all go big and go big regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has always been – he has always been a guy that wants to play good team basketball and make the extra pass. Um, that's just the way he's wired. But I, I do think that now he is called upon. You know, he has to carry more of the scoring load. There's just no way around it. He has to. Um, you got three guys on a regular basis that are going to be able to get you, you know, double digits, and that's going to be Mike Conley, Marcus All, and Zach Randolph, at least for right now. Now you expect that to be Chandler Parsons, right? They didn't spend $94 million on the guy for him not to be able to get you buckets on a regular occasion. So he will be another guy, a fourth guy, that you can count on on a regular basis. But in the meantime, there's only only three guys you can count on, and two of them are in the starting lineup, which are Conley and Gasol. Because you don't know, like one night James Ennis might have four or six, and another night he might have 18. And the same goes with Jermichael Green, and the same goes with, you know, the other guys that you've got in your rotation right now. Sometimes they're going to score a lot. Sometimes they're not going to score at all. Sure. And I think the good news is, is when Parsons and Allen come back at full strength, then there's a lot of valuable um, experience that Ennis and Jermichael Green are getting, right, that will then hopefully allow them to be productive in a different role uh, in the second half of the season or whenever that ends up being solidified. Oh, for sure. No. And, and Jermichael Green, who's in a contract here, I think he's one to watch uh, throughout this year and then heading into uh, contract season next year because he's extremely talented and he's got a extremely high motor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, what, I, what I have seen of him has been impressive on that end as an energy guy who can make plays. So uh, the other thing I thought about with Marcus Gasol, which is interesting, is that he's, he's also taking a, a lot of threes this year. Uh, and, and so I was like, okay, that's not a bad way to you know get more of his shots up, and maybe who knows that could get him above twenty. Uh, but the one interesting thing is, is he's taking twenty three percent of his shots are threes in the early part of the season, and so I, I wanted to know just if that was a lot. It seems like a lot, and I compared it to Boogie, who has shown that he can hit that as well. He's Boogie's only taking seventeen and a half percent of his shots from beyond the arc, so. Um, where are these shots coming from, from Gasol behind the three? And, and uh, you know, how, how focused is he on continuing to do that? Fizdale said at the beginning of the season he wanted Mark to average shooting four threes a game, that he can hit that shot. And basically what you're doing is just trading out long twos for threes. Mm-hmm. Gasol has always been a proficient scorer from, you know, when they, they're just running the pick and roll higher. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like instead of instead of running it at the free throw line extended or a little bit further, uh, they're taking a few steps back and running it. Now, and he's still got to get used to shooting that shot on a regular occasion because what you had happened the other night, you know, they're in a they're in a nip tuck game with the Bucks and they ran that high pick and roll and they chuck it out to Gasol. You know, he um he takes the step back and they throw it out to him and he's wide open and instead he defers. Like, if they're going to run their offense like that, he's got to take the shot, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that as the season goes on, he will become more comfortable that that's the, 
you know, that's the shot that you're running the offense for, so he has to take that shot. But there is, it's, it's no coincidence that at the beginning of the season, uh, Fisdale said he wants Mark Gasol taking four shots, uh, four threes a game, and that the numbers are dramatically up for what he's doing. That for was sure. that was the plan. All right. Well, they're they're doing. He's just he's just about there, and he's shooting pretty well from there for for his position. So, uh, and I think that deferring that you're talking to is what you know drives me a little crazy sometimes too, because it's almost like he doesn't believe how good he really is. I mean, he really is good. And, and should have a little bit more of a mindset like I am going to dominate my opponent and that what, by doing that, the defense will all have to look at me, turn their heads, and my teammates will then get open and better shots because of that. And, and he's also a really good passer. And so, you know, but, it, but I think it would come more out of the aggressiveness if he had it. But, uh, you know, the dude's 32, I guess. Yeah, well, that, is is just a, that is an intrinsically, uh, that is an in, intrinsically American <laughs> view of basketball, right? It just really yeah. is. You, yeah. you uh, think about think about all the Spanish guys in the league and the way they play. Yeah, they're all none of them are give me the damn ball guys. Mm-hmm. None of them. Yeah, you know they all you know whether it's you know Rubio could probably score more than he does. Mm-hmm. Um, Pau Gasol. I mean, on and on. Right? They are yeah. all. I don't want to say passive. It's just they. That's the way they believe basketball should be played you pass it until you get the best shot right right? and they are they are drilled that is drilled into them from the time they're eight years old that that's the way you play basketball not give me the damn ball i'm gonna go get a bucket you know right well and and by the way how do we explain that his field goal percentage uh, outside of the three-point percentage is low uh, I mean, I suppose you can explain it because he's taking a few more threes, but are you seeing anything else closer to the basket that's problematic and that's why he's missing? No, I just think that he's, you know, he's coming back from injury and he's had a couple of, you know, you're nine games into the season and a couple of horrendous shooting games. Yeah. All right. Like so really bad, like really bad, like one for tens and two for fifteens to start off the game. And so, you know, when, when you're still talking about less than 10 games into the season and you've had a couple of, you know, just. Massive. I mean, there was a two-game stretch where at one point he was like three for his last twenty-six. Right. Um, that will that will that will even back out, right? There's going to be the night where he goes, you know, nine for eleven, and those stats will look radically different. And, and by the way, you know, if he gets to a, a four, a little bit more than four threes a game, and he continues shooting, you know, thirty-five percent, and he gets anywhere near his fifty percent two-point percentage uh scoring rate guess what that's got to be 20 21 22 points a game and we're getting close <laughs> to what i'm looking for so that's encouraging yeah uh let's let's look at uh what i want to talk about is the the defense as well because i had read some stuff in the beginning of the year where Vizdale was was changing some of the basic philosophy of how they play defense Certainly, right now, I mean, I know there's issues in the defense and stuff like that, but their their defensive rating is, you know, isn't great. Um, was there anything that stands out in your mind the way they're playing defense that is radically different than last uh, previous years? Um, it's not nearly as good. <laughs> I mean, the Grizzlies have always been an outstanding defensive team. Um, you I, I, clearly not having Tony Allen in the lineup and your best perimeter defender has and and a guy that kind of is heart and soul and yeah. you know he makes a couple of big plays and you know it's it just he's one of those guys that changes everything when he's out there right Shane Battier used to do this it's kind of like whether you're even if you're like at an office building at work if somebody's out there busting their ass all the time and you're not you feel dumb so it just raises the level of everyone else but that's just part of it um 
know, they just let the Bucks this past weekend shoot over 70% in the second half. It was miserable. And the one of the, one of the big things is the rim protection was atrocious. You're talking like 70-something points in the paint for the Bucks the other night. And they're a good paint team. Um, but at one point, Fisdale, I don't want to say waved the white flag defensively, but he ended up just going back into a zone because they couldn't guard anyone. And a major culprit in that is, you know, former defensive player of the year in Marcus Gasol used to be a guy that was always your uh, rim protection, and he was the backbone of what was an amazing defensive team. And he has not been nearly as swift or nearly as good defensively as he has been in the past. And I do think that that has taken – um, that's taken a big toll because you have, you know, in, in one case, you're one of your best offensive players in Zach Randolph, who you can see as a defensive liability. And then you have Marcus Gasol, who used to be um, not only, you know, one of your best defenders, but one of the great defenders in the league. He won defensive player of the year for God's sakes and had that kind of impact. So you had Tony Allen, who was, if not the best perimeter defender, one of, and on the outside, and you had Mark Gasol as the backbone, and Mark's defense just has not been uh, nearly as good as it has been in the past, and so that's something they certainly need to fix. Um, otherwise, you know, there, I, I think that the big thing is, you know, Coach Nick, one of the things everybody says is your defense is your defense because it's on a string. You know, they talk mm-hmm. about five guys working as one, and being that there have been so many lineups, being that these guys are so unused to playing with each other, um, the communication level has been bad. The switching has been bad. And I think part of that is, you know, you will you will eventually, as the year goes on, become a team that can, you know, everybody's working as one, as they say, defense on a string. Yeah. And it has been the uh, it has been the complete opposite of that so far this year. So I, I think part of it is Marcus Gasol's rim protection is not nearly what it once was. Um, and I, and, and then, uh, then you have Tony Allen hurt. So there's two things. And then the third, and maybe the most important is it's hard to have a great defense when guys are not used to playing with each other. And that's something that's certainly a work in progress. Sure, sure. Well, um, so far, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, have the players taken to Coach Fizdale's, uh style? Is that are they are they looking up to him and, and, and enjoying working with him? They love him. Oh, yeah. Swear by him. Everybody in the everybody in the league does. Yeah, it's crazy. He's one of those guys that could win class president at any school he would have gone to ever. Huh. Um, and the other thing is, he is very uh, forward. You know, he. Um, you know, these guys all say he talks to you like a man, he looks you in the eye. And it's been crazy because just interviewing guys over the years, I'm like, why does everybody say that? Is that that rare? And <laughs> right. it is. I suppose it is that rare in the NBA. You know, coaches make less than the players in many cases, and coaches are always on hot seats, right? Most don't even make it two or three years. Um, but he has an aura and a confidence about him. And you know, you saw, uh, the other night when, uh, I guess last Sunday, when the Grizzlies lost to Portland, uh, he didn't have Zebo in the game at the end of the game, and he came back on Monday and he said, listen, that's on me. You know, and you don't see that from a lot of coaches. You don't see coaches coming out and talking about this one's on me or I was wrong or I screwed this up. And whether it is uh, whether it's something that he has a conviction in or whether it is something that he thinks he messed up, um, I, I, I guess his honesty has really uh, has really taken hold, and 
they do all love him to a man. They all love that coach. Oh. Now, now they got to win for him. That is that is great to hear. And yeah, I have heard that. I have heard that players uh, on certain teams do not have direct access to the head coach, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. very strange. But uh, you know, I suspect as we move forward and these coaches are, are younger and younger or from different eras, uh, that kind of communication I would imagine would be a lot more common uh, across the board. But <laughs> well, you know, let's just pretend that you know Chandler Parsons comes back, gives them I don't know sixty five healthy games, and Tony Allen's back at full speed at full strength. Um, what do you see, uh, you know, this Memphis team finishing up in? What what position are they going to finish up at the end of the year? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I probably have a better read 10 games from now after you see, you know, is, is Parsons going to be able to be uh, healthy Chandler Parsons? Is Tony Allen going to be able to give you that time? Do Mike and Mark stay uninjured? But at the beginning of the season, I thought this team would be able to compete um, along with the rest of their peers, you know, I, I, listen, they are uh, San Antonio, or I'm sorry, uh, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Spurs are better than everybody. I do think there is a division between those three teams and then everybody else. And what the Grizzlies did coming into this year was fancy them as a peer of Oklahoma City, of Houston, of Utah, of Portland. You know, these are the teams that you're going to be competing with for a playoff spot. And I watched them play against Portland last weekend. And I don't think anybody could watch that game and think, wow, they're not in the class with them, because they just are. McCollum went for 37 points, but that game went down to the wire. Mm -hmm. Um, They play another one tonight, so it'll be fascinating to watch to see what the Grizzlies do against the Utah Jazz, because that's another team that you fancy as a peer of yours. Um, But my opinion, especially just watching the Grizzlies, uh, they have played like crap, and they're still four and five, and... You know, this is another game. They, they've lost to the Clippers, and they've lost some of these games that maybe I didn't necessarily expect them to lose, like the Knicks, like the Bucks, and things have not gone all that well to start this season. But, you know, as they start to figure things out, um, I thought they could be in the club with those four teams. I watched them play against Portland and thought uh, walked away from that game thinking, okay, that is what the, 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 – that, that team is not – way better than the Grizzlies, and the and the truth is, I guess we're going to kind of find out with them playing against Utah tonight, at least a heads-up matchup against somebody. But I think those three, I, I, think those, I think the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Spurs are better than everyone. And so I guess at the beginning of the year, thought the Grizzlies would be able to compete uh, for play, a jockey for playoff spots with uh, Oak City, Houston, um, Oak City, Houston, uh, Portland, and Utah. And at least you get a chance to see him play Utah tonight. So we'll see how they match up with them. And, you know, you can't sleep on the team that's right in front of you right now, the L.A. Lakers, uh, <laughs> by the way. Uh, can, I, can you, would you have thought that at all, uh, even 10 games into the season, that they'd be there winning? Absolutely not. No. Walton has done a tremendous job uh, so far this season. And that team's fun to watch. Now, they yeah. got smoked last night, you know, by uh, Minnesota. But... And I, I think that, you know, this is one of those that the be- – I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, is, I guess we're going to see. Is this the beginning of the season thing, and then we're going to look up at the end, and they still just won, like, you know, whatever, 30, 32 games or something like that? Or are we going to look up at the season? I remember, what was it, three or four years ago? Maybe it's three years ago now. The Hornacek team with the Suns, that was a young, fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. And we just kept watching going, all right, when are they not going to be good? Right, and then they yeah. all, they damn near made the playoffs that year, so it that'll be a fun watch with the Lakers to find out 
how long they can continue being pretty good. I'd imagine um, there's going to be some regression and that they'll probably – they're not – I don't think the Lakers are going to be a playoff team. Interesting, yeah. I but mean, this, they're better and, than I but, – but to yeah. your point, they are way better than I thought they'd be already. Right, and for what it's worth, uh, they were on a, a three, three games and four nights and a, and a back-to-back all on the road when they got hammered by Minnesota. So, uh, and, and by the way, that's suddenly become a thing where the second of a back-to-back on the road and you're just allowed to kind of not show up. I'm not really sure how that became a meme, but uh, that's – and, and I, you know what? I might be at fault for spreading that on Twitter the other night, but, you know, the numbers show, right, that, like, this team seemed to conk out – the third quarter on that second of back-to-backs. Yeah, well, they didn't. It didn't matter if they conked out or not with the way Wiggins was playing. That yeah. guy was otherworldly. Yep. Yeah, it's exciting. So you know what? This is a really interesting NBA season so far with a lot of interesting surprises. And so I, I suspect uh, that uh, we're going to get a really good look December tenth. I'm going to have to circle that. That's a home game against the Warriors. Um, it, it sounds like you're going to have everybody back, you know, and, and with some games under their belts by then, right? Yes, yes, that would certainly be the goal. Would be if you've got, uh, you know, a less minute, less minute restricted Chandler Parsons and Tony Allen in the lineup, you might get a better read of what the Grizzlies would. Sure. Eventually be capable of. Well, and by the way, you're getting no um, no favors from the NBA office because the tenth you have the Warriors. And then they have 13th and 14th back-to-back, a home-and-away Cavaliers. <laughs> Jeez. So that yeah, is there's two, there's two of those. There's two of those just really weird uh, deals for the Grizzlies where they, they, if you look at their, the rest of their schedule, they play, a back, they play home-and-home back-to-backs with both Miami and Cleveland. Oh, that's oh, interesting. Weird. Yes. And, well, see, and the Miami thing is significant just because that's where Fisdale's been for so long. Right. Not because there's some great shakes. Well, I imagine does it have anything to do with the fact that you're pretty close to those two things, easy to get to? No, it's just weird. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I mean, Grizzlies, it's Central Time Zone. They could pretty well travel everywhere, you know. Yeah, that's true. So, well, well, I can't, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for coming on the show and breaking this stuff down. It's been really uh, insightful for me. And um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait a, a little bit longer before I do a deep dive into the the footage and edit something on it because of what you're telling me. Certainly, is I want to see what they're like when they're healthy because you're right. It's very tantalizing to see uh, all those guys moving together on the court um, when they're healthy. I, I think you're right. They could do something there in that fourth, fifth spot by the end of the year. My man. Thank you, Coach Nick. Appreciate you having me on. You got it. And don't forget, sports fans, the B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel for a conversation. You in? Are you in, Chris? When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I even had a gift. 
Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in store.